Thanks, Rick. Ah, that's the word of the Lord. To those of you who are our guests, I greet you as well. My name's Tim, and I also am one of the pastor elders here, and we're thrilled to have you with us. Summer's coming to an end, so the building is filling up, so just, it's exciting to be together this morning. I want to, um, before we dive into the word, um, just if you're new to Trinity, perhaps this morning or over the past few weeks or maybe even a few months, um, if you're new to Trinity, we'd like to invite you to what we call a Connect Lunch. Uh, it takes place at, at my house, my wife and I's house. Uh, it's, it's close by. It'll be at 12 o'clock next week after the service. You don't need to bring anything. Just bring yourself. Um, and it just gives us a chance and opportunity to get to know you a bit. Uh, you can ask questions of us, and uh, some of the elders will be there, and we'd just love to share some time together next week. All right, so if you're interested in that, um, you can go to our website, click on the graphic, Connect Lunch, and get yourself signed up there. It gives us an opportunity, or it gives us the chance to plan for you and make sure we've got plenty of food, okay? So please do that. We hope to see you next week uh, at that luncheon. Okay, the title this morning is the one thing needed most in the midst of difficulty, Psalm 27. So today, um, as you know, we begin a six-week series in the Psalms. It's six weeks of the presence of the Lord. And after this series, so seven weeks from now, we'll start into our next series, which is titled Trinity Community Church, Doctrine, Distinctives, and Direction. Okay, so again, that's going to be a good opportunity for those of you who are new, but also the intent is for those who have been here, we're turning 27 in a little less than a month from now. Um, we're turning 27 years old, and so we need to knock off some of the, some of the, some of the dust, <laughs> some of the cobwebs in doctrine, distinctives, and direction. So looking forward to that, but for this morning, we're in Psalm 27, and we need to get our bearings a little bit. Because we were moving last week, we, we finished our series in Titus, and that's a very different genre. We finished a series, it's Paul's letter to a New Testament church in, in Crete. This morning, we're moving to the Old Testament, Psalms, which is poetry, uh, which is not a letter, which is not the New Testament. And this psalm in particular, Psalm 27, what we just heard, is a lament. So it's a very different genre, and I want us to get some of those bearings um, as we move forward. It's a lament, which is one way to put it. Another way to put it is we live in a fallen world. You know why there's lament in psalms? Because we live in a fallen world. You know why there's lament in your hearts at times? Because we live in a fallen world. Which is to say, there will be a day in eternity, there will be no more lamenting, right? There will be no more lamenting. There's a lament this side of eternity. And what I love about the Psalms is the Psalms are so real. They're real. There's no facade to the Psalm. There's no, there's no um, pretending in the Psalms. They're raw. They're filled with, filled with honest grief and uh, genuine joy. It runs the whole spectrum. You've got fear and faith, and they're back-to-back, -back, verse 1 or verse 2. Um, you've got repentance, and you've got forgiveness in the same psalm. You've got sorrow, and you've got singing. That's how the psalms 
flow, and this one is no different. And it's for that reason, we don't want to tone down or rub off the raw edges of the Psalms, because it helps us, because we, we, we should be able to look at the Psalms and say, I can crawl into that. That, that reminds me of my life, and at different times, my lament. And what do I do with that? How do I handle that? Where do I go with those thoughts? Well, the Psalms are best when they're allowed to live and breathe in the reality that they are, in the realness of our lives. Let them land then in your marriage, in your parenting. Let them land in your next doctor's visit that's got you concerned. Let them land um, as you're walking with friends or or relatives who you're concerned about. Um, Pastorally, I want to remind you how we ended Titus, okay? We said of Titus, this is our launch pad into the, the next two series here at Trinity that I've already mentioned, the one we're in and then the next one. It's our launch pad into the Psalms this morning. And so we concluded last week, remember, with an acronym. Someone please help me. DRIP. Thank you. All right. So which stood for D, devoted. We want to be devoted to good works because of the gospel of grace. We want to be devoted. All right. The, the R is relationship. We just heard an announcement about relationships at Trinity. We want to encourage you. Get yourself signed up. All right. So let's be, be intentional about that. And that's the I, intentional worship. So glad that we could come together Thank you, Mason. Thank you for our team for leading us this morning into the presence of the Lord. And then P, prayer. Four. (laughs) Let's go like that. Four is is prayer. And those will have aspects that will come out, we'll, we'll point out this morning. But let this lament remind us that there's something wrong in this world. It is a fallen world. Sin has corrupted what God has created. And we live in the midst of that. We live in the midst of the suffering and the evil. And yet the psalm doesn't just leave us there with nothing to do or no response. It literally takes us, I'm going to say to the throne of God. It takes us to the presence of the Lord. In the midst of all the difficulties of life, it takes us right into the presence of God. So the big idea of the sermon this morning um, isn't a sentence. I put it in a formula for us, and this is how the, the text will flow. Something's wrong with this world, plus some God truths. David's going to present for us some God truths equals a desire and a response for or um, in or to the presence of the Lord. That's, that's, that's where we're headed. Thank you for that amen. Amen. That's where we're headed. Let's pray. God, we just recognize right now, we need your help. We need your help. Lord, we recognize that there is just foolishness in preaching and foolishness in preachers, foolishness in man's words. So we work hard to study and to, to preach your word. Lord, help me. Help me be faithful to this text and help us as hearers, Lord. We don't want to just sit here idly. Lord, we want to respond to the psalm of lament. 
We want to join with David. We want to join with the saints of old. We want to join with our brothers and sisters here this morning. And we want to respond in kind to what we read here in Psalm 27. Lord, help us. We pray by your Holy Spirit, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get right to it. Point number one is the truth in the midst of the difficulty. In these opening verses, David gets right to it. As I've already said, things are not good. If you heard as it was being read, David literally has enemies camping at his door. All right? This is not This is not, let's put it into context. Let's put our fears and David's fears into context. Our fears, right? You might be here and you might be afraid you might get canceled. All right, that's the the trendy way to put it today, right? Like you might be afraid you might get canceled. You might be afraid of what's coming down um, the future, you know, for 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 the church in future days in America. That's not David's concern. His concern is, is they might eat his flesh, It's a life and death psalm. He laments. He's not concerned about getting canceled. He's concerned about whether or not he'll be alive tomorrow. And while those circumstances for David are very different than our circumstances today, there's something similar. Even as drastically different as they are, the the similarity is it, it points us that there's something wrong in this world. For him, for us, there's something wrong. We live in a fallen world, and evildoers do exist. And so you look at the difficulties difficulties David is facing. He says in verse 2, When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh. Verse 3, An army encamps against me. Verse 3 again, The war arise against me. And David, in the midst of that, enemies are camping at his doorstep, begins to rehearse some truths about God in the face of, of incredible difficulties. Let's read it again, verse one. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil doers assail me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Why not, David? Why not? The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. He's not saying I'm going to be confident in myself, in my great warrior abilities. This is what David speaks right in the face of his difficulties. Unfortunately, I've spoken other things in my difficulties. What about you? I've spoken fear. I've harbored Anxiousness, envy, envy, envy. I wish I had their life. Why don't I have their health, their circumstances? It'd be so much better, right? Envy. I've whispered a false gospel. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with my God that would allow this in my life? Know this, if and when you suffer, your heart will begin to interrogate God. 
Why are you allowing this in my life? What did I do to deserve this? Why me? Why does the sinner live in such health and um, it's all going so well and here I am trying to serve you and this is what I get for that? And in the interrogation, know this. It's the character of God that gets put on trial. His goodness his mercy, his faithfulness, his sovereignty, his wisdom, his love. And it's for good reason then that the psalmist regularly speaks of truths about God, the character of God, the attributes of God. Who is God? Well, we have the Psalms. And he does so right in the face of suffering and difficulty. For the psalmist, God is good and is just and sovereign, and wise, and love, not only when all the circumstances are just lining up and things are good. That's why I love the Psalms. God is good, and wise, and sovereign, and just, and love in the face of the difficulties. When the enemies are camped at the doorstep of his life. So, Verse number one, the Lord is, the Lord, the, the, the majestic one, the master, the Lord, the savior is. It's not the Lord was, remember the time when the Lord was this? No, the Lord is. It's not while it is true, the Lord was, and it, while it is true, the Lord will be, for the psalmist and for, for you, follower of Christ, there should be a sense in all of our hearts, in the face of difficulties, the Lord is. He is. He is currently this. And he's going to unpack some things that the Lord is. But he not only says the Lord is, he says what? The Lord is mine. Oh, so thankful for the personalness of that. The Lord is mine. And I want to ask you, is the Lord yours? And I don't want to assume that he is. We need to be asking that question. Is the Lord this in my life? Um, so the psalmist says the Lord is. He says the Lord is my. And then he begins to unpack who God is. He says the Lord is my light. Now, what do you need in the darkness, right? Like, like these are such simple concepts, but we just read right past him. Lord is my light, he's my salvation, he's my stronghold. Da, 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 da. And we need to stop and consider what the psalmist is saying here and how that applies, how we bring that into our difficulties. The Lord is my light. What do you need in the darkness? You need the light. Praise be to God, right? That, that we're, we're told in, in the psalm, Psalm 119, that he's, his word is a light unto my path. Praise be to God. We've got this. In the midst of the darkness, the lament of our life, we have the light. God has preserved for us his autobiography. Now you can pull it out and you can read the Psalms and find out who is God in the midst of this difficulty and struggle. And I would encourage you to do so. And this is one thing that you'll find. He's my light in the midst of the darkness. What a dark world we live in today. Need you be reminded. 
What a shining light our God is today in the midst of the darkness, which of course reminds us of the gospel. John 8 says, Jesus speaking, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That is to say, he's not just a little light in the darkness. No, when you come to Christ, he throws the lights on in the face of darkness. He is the light. He's not pointing us to a light, a source of light. He is the light in the face of darkness. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my salvation. Is he your salvation? Not just a temporary salvation, not just a salvation that lasts, I'm going to say, for this 60, 70, or 80 years of our lives, but no, he is a eternal salvation. He has rescued you, not from simply enemies encamped at your door. He has rescued you from your greater enemy, which is sin and death itself. He is your salvation this morning. He is your eternal salvation. And let me flip that into a question. Is he your eternal salvation? Or is he just kind of a token God that maybe when things are a little bit difficult, maybe things are a little bit rough, maybe then I'll just kind of reach out to him a little bit and, you know, throw some religion at my problems. No, friends, he's my salvation. Every day of my life, he's my salvation. Whether I even get to see the struggles and the difficulties or not, He's my salvation. And as I said, he's already saved me from my most uh, intimidating and defeating enemy, which is sin and death. He's my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Can you, can you get a feel? We literally preach each of these for a week. The Lord is the stronghold of my life, which, which means he's my refuge. He's who I run to. He's my, he's my hiding place are all the, the, the words that scripture uses. A, a refuge was what you would run to for the sake of safety. Now, we live in Florida, and it's July. Did you notice yesterday is July? It's a little hot, all right? And so you also know that what? What's coming? Well, hurricane. Hurricane season is here, but we also know that it's about a month to two months away. And we know that with hurricane season um, means you'll soon, soon be hearing from the weathermen saying, be sure you have a safe place in your home, right? Be sure you have an interior room, a closet or a bathroom. Get away from the windows, please, and run to that place, that safe place. Hide out there in an interior room. Find your safe place. Well, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. It's a good picture, meaning when the hurricane of life is just crashing on your spiritual house, your life, these truths are true. He's my stronghold. He's who I need to run to. Not just when things are well, this is true, that's why, again, again, I love the Psalms. This is true when things are well. This is true when things are not well. And I've got enemies who want to take me 
out tomorrow. Let me ask you, do you believe these truths about God? Do you own these truths? Are you able to say, the Lord is mine? That's owning it. Are these truths true for you? Now, what's powerful about this is that these truths are God truths. If you were to say that about any of us, you know, Tim is my light. Well, maybe, maybe today, maybe for a couple days, but that light's going to go out, right? And the same is true for you. It's, it's, not, it's not willy-nilly. It's not up to, to man. What we're talking about here is the unchanging character of our God. And he was light yesterday. He'll be light today. And he's going to be light tomorrow in the face of the darkness because our God is unchanging. And it's the same truth that David literally probably was in a cave meditating about and writing and singing this psalm that we celebrate and sing of thousands of years later. God is unchanging. He's the light. He's the salvation. He's the stronghold. Well, the enemies are there. They're hunting down David, and he says, this is who my God is. And these truths are there to exist, or they're to, I like to say probably too often, but they're to function for us, right? They don't just live up here. It's not just a knowledge thing that you can say, okay, this is what the Lord is. Okay, he's this, he's this, he's this. No, they're they're to live in our lives. They're to get into the nitty-grittiness of our lives. They're going to get into the challenges that is our life. And that's what's happening here in the psalm. These truths are landing upon David's David's heart while he hides in a cave from his enemy. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Number two, one single purpose in the midst of difficulty. Right? So point number one, the truth in the midst of difficulty is who God is. Number two is one single purpose in the midst of difficulty. Let's pick up in verse four. One thing. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell. Here's the one thing he's asking for, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Do you you hear the heart of the psalmist here? This is no casual, indifferent longing. Oh, God, this is the one thing I need. In the face of my trouble, what I need need, what I long for, what I seek is your very presence. Now, here's the thing, right? If I'm in that cave, I'm thinking, what do you need? You need a sword, right? You need a shield. You need an army. We can think that way in the difficulties of our life. What do I need right now? 
ultimately, what you and I need is the very presence of the Lord. Ultimately, I don't need a friend, though friends are great. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I don't need a new government. I don't need an army. I don't need a new location. I don't even need a promotion. What I need most in my trouble is the presence of the Lord. I don't even need, the, the list could just keep going, right? All the things that ultimately we don't need, what we ultimately need is right here. This one single laser focused vision. I need the presence of my God in all that I'm facing. Now, here's the good news. You have what you need. <laughs> You've been given exactly what you need. If you are a follower of Christ, meaning you've repented of your sins and you're trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you have what you need. You have the presence of God. And the, the, the reason why I emphasize that is we tend to ignore what is ours. And we forget that which matters most. And we assume and we take for granted. And we, 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 we say, God, give me, give me this, 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 and this. And we forget the one thing that we need. I love that we sang this morning. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour. I love that we sang. Behold him. Help me, Lord. In a few moments, we'll be singing to abide in you. Because I've got a lot of things, a lot of other things to run to. Maybe your thing is the computer. Maybe you run to the computer. Maybe you run to the phone. And maybe you're just going to constantly scroll through social media. Perhaps, perhaps your one thing is maybe if I could just binge watch something. Or maybe you just want to binge eat something. Maybe, maybe it's more significant than that. Maybe your one thing is you run to drugs. Or maybe it's to drown out your sorrows in alcohol. But have you found it? Have you found yet that when you're done scrolling and binging and it, when when you, when you come back to being sober, it, it's still there. The enemy is still there. It's not an answer. We look for false answers. We look for false hopes where there is no hope. And we seek to drown out our fears at a bar. David is giving us a better picture. Run to the safety and the stronghold and the salvation and the light who is God. And so here's what I want to do this morning. In these next moments, I just want to soak you in Scripture. Enough of my words. We're just going to just take a big bath in Scripture. And I'm just going to read psalm after psalm after psalm. Then we'll move out of the psalms and, and we'll move to some others. Some of these we'll be preaching. Some of them we have preached. Some of these we've not preached. But just hear the cry of Scripture. Psalm 16. I think Rick preached this last year. You make known to me the path of life in your, what? Your presence. There is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 23, you know it well. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. 
presence, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, verse 6, same chapter. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And what? I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. What? Come into his presence. How? How do we come into the presence of the Lord? Oh, we come singing. We come singing. It's, it's not, okay, I come singing because look at all my difficulties, how fixed they are. They're all solved. No, we come singing because he has fixed our greatest problem, sin and death. And so, oh yeah, we're going to come. We come singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. What? More presence. Enter his great gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, what? I seek you. Presence. You, my, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land. All right? Desert. There is no water. So I've looked upon your sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. Psalm 42, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts. What is this? This is a thirst. This is a hunger. This is a panting for the very presence of the Lord. Um, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul, yes, longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord, presence. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell, abide in your house, ever singing your praise. Let's go out of the Psalms. We just, we just keep just soaking ourselves in the Psalms in regards to just the Lord's presence. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We're gonna skip Isaiah 41. We'll jump to Zephaniah 3. The Lord your God is in your midst. What is that? Presence. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with singing. Are you kidding me? With gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. How about Matthew. How about the Great Commission? Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. What? And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews 13, be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise be to God. So we join with David. 
and the saints of old. And we can just keep going. It's endless. And we can be crying out to God. And I just want to invite us to be crying out to God as we walk through this series for the one thing. One thing I ask, it's to dwell. It's to abide with you. I don't just want you at a distance. I want to know your nearness. So I'm going to get alone with my God. Because this is the very thing. This is the reason that we're sitting in these Psalms for the next six weeks. It's to drip. Drip with me. Drip every Sunday. Drip every day. Drip together. Drip alone, but drip. Devotion, relationship, intentional worship, and prayer. But oh, that we might be a church who's calling out to God for his very presence in our lives. Individually, corporately. David didn't need a sword. He needed the presence of the Lord. Hear me. We don't need a program Nothing wrong with programs. We don't need a marketing scheme. Nothing wrong with marketing. We don't need lights and fog machines. We need the presence of our God. Will you join with me? Will you cry out to God? Will will you make this the one thing? Will you wake up early before you run off to work? Will you silence the cell phone and all the distractions? Will you do each other the favor and not text each other early in the morning? Let's just help each other out. Want to be alone with God without distraction? Will you set aside other things? We were having this conversation yesterday. It's not just just, um, let's add something to our life, but there's just a real reality of I got to put some other things aside. To make space for the one thing. Now to be clear, when we're seeking the presence of the Lord, what we're not seeking, we're not seeking a feeling. Now it's kind of the Lord, sometimes we feel things. But just know this. It's not based on what you feel. Feelings are subjective. Feelings are, cannot be counted on. <laughs> Why do we seek feeling? No, we seek the Lord. We seek God himself. We seek the person who is God. Number three, the difference the presence of the Lord makes in the midst of the difficulty. So what difference does it make? I want us to note that there's a tangible response to the knowledge of who God is. What he's done, what he is doing, light, salvation, stronghold. And the response to that is very tangible. Okay? We can put our fingers on it. It's in the text. We can see it. Here's the thing. I get a bit concerned in my own heart when I don't see a tangible response to truth. Okay? That gets extended, right? I get concerned in the church pastorally, when there's not a tangible response to truth. It starts me going down the, the, the pathway of, are we just becoming religious? Are we just doing token religious things? 
Because the truth is to land upon our hearts in such a way that it affects how we live. It affects how we live in this moment right now as we gather as a church. It affects tomorrow morning, Monday. I'm not a big fan of on Monday, how's it going? Well, it's Monday. No, I'm a fan of praise be to God. He's given me another day to live for him and for his glory. And my soul has to be told that. It has to be reminded because my soul grows dull and dim with things that are not dim. It's glorious. And so it should show up. It should show up on my lips. It should literally affect my hands. It should show up. It should be heard. It should be seen. It should be responsive. It shows up in tear ducts. Showed up that way in the prayer meeting this morning. Boy, not planned, not expecting that. Tears. Thank you, God. That's a response to truth. And at that point, it was God's holiness. Psalm, uh, verse number six here. And now, look, look at the response. It's affecting him physically. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices. How? With shouts of joy. Because his enemies are defeated? No. In the face of the struggle, there's shouts of joy. This guy knows God. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. There's three responses right there in that, in that verse. His head is lifted up. Again, that's in the face of the enemies. They're not gone, and yet he's worshiping. You know, worship is easy when life is easy. God is glorified when your life is lament, and you come and you say, praise be to my God. I live for him. He's the light. He's the salvation. He's the stronghold. It's a decision in the face of suffering. It's a response to truth. It's head lifted up, enemies all around. It literally says that in the text. Let there be heads lifted up. Let there be singing in, in, in amongst us in his church. Let there be shouting. Let there be a response to the truth of who God is. People tell me all the time. Well, I don't want to exaggerate. Not all the time. Fairly regularly, it comes up. How about that? Sometimes, once upon a time. <laughs> okay. Nah, sometimes it comes up. People, are, people will tell me, just, man, we were singing. You were preaching. I just wanted to respond. I wanted to stand up and just shout to the Lord. Do it. This donkey is not confused. Okay, have you heard me say that before? I'm not confused at the crowds who came and they're laying down their palm branches for the Savior. The donkey doesn't start to go, oh, I think this is about me. I am that donkey. I will not be confused. That is a, when someone stands and shouts and praises their God, we're clear. This is glory be to our God. And we're hardwired for that. We're literally wired to respond to glory. We always have been. We always will be. So, my friend and Trace's friend, we were playing racquetball this Tuesday night. 
past Tuesday, and our friend had just gotten back from Niagara Falls with his wife. And it was really cool to hear him talk passionately about Niagara Falls. And he was just telling us, he's like, oh, it's incredible. And at one point, he even like, just kind of quickly like, looked at me like, have you been? And I'm like, yeah, I've been. And then he was, but it didn't matter. He didn't hear me say, I've been there. He's like looking at me and the other four or five of us that were there. And he's like, you got to stand here. If you go there, stand here. I, mean, I stood there. And it doesn't matter at that point. Why? Because we're hardwired for glory. You don't have to tell a kid to get to the top of that mountain peak and say, wow. The kid knows to respond. You know. What do you do? You grab your phone. You take a picture. You take the picture home. Show it to your friends and family. And what do you say? Picture don't do it justice. You got to see it for yourself. We're hardwired for that. But that landscape isn't the end. It's a pointer. It says to us, those Niagara Falls, that Grand Canyon, that whatever national forest, my God made that. And there, but but that, that natural response, saved and unsaved alike, wow, is wired in you. Now you come. And he's not only the creator, he's the redeemer. Praise be to our God. Let there be a response. You travel. There's a reason why, right? The reason why you save up your money and you make your way and you get to Red Rocks or you get to the, the Red Woods or you get to whatever the scene, you get to that cabin on the side of that mountain at that time of year. And you spend the money to do so. I'm happy for you. I'm going too. Our God created all that. Not that we would worship that, but our response would be to the God who made that and is redeeming all of it. So we're driving home a couple nights ago with Mark and Joy. We were able to go out to eat. And as we're driving home, there was this amazing cloud and the sun was setting and so it's behind the cloud and it just put this outline. You've seen it. It's incredible. And we're just going, wow, that's amazing. Look at that. And five minutes later, we look again and it's completely changed. Not completely changed, but a lot changed. And we're just like, wow, now look at it. And it's just like the Lord is just going, here, here you go. Our God made that. And he's redeeming that. So Psalm 8, we like to sing it. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Hear, O Lord, let's jump into verse 7 of our text. When I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. 
Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Did you hear it? This is, this is prayer. This is the psalmist praying. He's calling out to God. He's seeking the Lord's face. He's literally seeking. He's talking about it. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. What a beautiful, heartfelt prayer. Be gracious to me. Answer me, he says. I love the flow of that cry and how it, it builds and it kind of crescendo on don't forsake me. And it's as if the psalmist is just running us right up to the cross of Christ. Where he was forsaken, that you and I would not be forsaken. He was forsaken, that you and I might be accepted. He received the consequences of our sin, and that we might receive his righteousness. Excuse me? Explain that. Praise be to our God. He has not forsaken you. This is Old Testament gospel taking us to Jesus. Lord, don't turn me away. Don't forsake me. And the cross says, you will not be forsaken. And if you're not a follower of Christ this morning, I just call on you again and again. You can repent of your sins and you can turn to Christ. And he offers you forgiveness. And you might be here. And you might even say, you have no idea what I've done. He won't accept me. Oh, and I always like to reply with, you have no idea what he's done. His forgiveness is so much grander than your sin. Run to him this morning. Cry out to him for forgiveness. And in the face of it, Lastly, number four, and the worship team can join me. I can do this in 45 seconds, maybe. It's the confidence that truth brings in the midst of difficulty. The confidence. Listen to what he says. Here is confidence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I believe. He's not saying like, hope, I know it. I know that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That doesn't mean enemies are defeated. Sometimes they're defeated. Sometimes they're not defeated. But this is what I believe. I know this to be true. And then he says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait. He says again, wait for the Lord. I submit to us this morning, this is to be our response. How do we respond? Some texts, some biblical texts, they call us to do something. Some texts call us to think something or believe something. Some texts call us to live in the good of something. This text is doing all three of those, all at the same time. We're to believe something, we're to do something, we're to live in the good of something. And it's to show up. It's to show up on our lips. It's to show up in our hands. It's to show up on Monday. It's to show up on Sunday as a church gathers. Because we'll go full circle. Something is wrong in this world. Plus, God truths equals 
a desire and a response to the presence of God. Let's stand together. Let's take some, some time, some moments, and let's respond to our Lord in worship.